if you can get them to come up with a solution, even better, especially if it's their kid. Because yes. if it's if it's your kid, but it's my solution, it's less likely to be enforced. Right. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Boom shakalaka laka, boom shakalaka laka. Welcome to episode 242 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What's up, y'all? What's up, everybody? Hope y'all ain't sickly. Most people are. <laughs> Get you some elderberry or whatever that stuff is. <laughs> is that what it's called? I think so. I thought it was elderberry. It might be elderberry. Who knows? For, for elderly people like you? That's what I thought when I said it. <laughs> But take your vitamin C, get you some vitamin D, go out in the sun, wash your hands. Y'all, this crud is no joke. Mm -hmm. All right. With that being said, we want to remind people that we have the Nacho Kids Academy, where there is the Nacho Kids Boot Camp Challenge. There are Q&A coaching calls twice a month. There's an anonymous community. There's... 20 plus video courses and much more. So if you need help in your blend, join today at nachokidsacademy.com. Yep. See you there. See you there. All right. Today we are going to talk about how step parents often feel they have no control. Now, this is going to be an interesting conversation because I don't know that David felt that way. And he's a step-parent also. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to kind of talk about my experience and feeling like I have no control or had no control and his experience to see if he felt the same way. And then I'm curious if it is different. Is it a man versus a woman thing? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. And just so everybody knows, this is impromptu. I did not know we were talking about this. <laughs> David, I never tell you what we're talking about. I know. So why are you shocked? Okay. I'm not. <laughs> I know with me, fairly independent, slash very independent. And when I met David, I was extremely independent. So I was in control of pretty much every aspect of my life except for my kid having to go to his father's every other weekend and blah, blah, blah. But everything else I was in control of. I was in control of my house. I was in control of my kid. I didn't have to say anything to anybody or listen to anybody's opinion about how I raised my kid. And then David and I get married, and Jackson and I moved into his house. And that may be another factor as well of not feeling you have any control. but. I felt like, not immediately, but once we started struggling, I felt like I had no control. I couldn't control what these kids did. I couldn't control how David parented. I couldn't control how the bio parent, the other bio parent, impacted our lives. All that was out of my control. But then once I started nachoing, 
I realized I didn't have control of that crap in the first place. And it's not something I could control. Make sense? Yeah, I'm following. Okay. I hope everybody else is too. So in regards to feeling I had no control over the kids, I know a lot of people are saying, I don't have control over my own kids. (laughs) Yeah, that happens. Well, I get that. But if your own kid comes in, they don't take their muddy shoes off when they come in the door and track mud everywhere, you have control. You can say, little Johnny, you clean up that mud off that floor right now or I'm taking your iPad away for 38 days. As a step-parent, you don't want to do that, right? Because you're trying to build relationships with these kids. But also, if you do that with your stepkid, you're just going to create havoc. Yeah. I think part of the problem is we look at kids sort of in the same light. For example. Oh, you look at at your kids as gremlins too? I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I look at my kids. For example, I look at my kids and I'm like, these are my kids and I'll tell them what to do because I'm parenting them. And then I make the mistake of looking at somebody else's kids and saying, well, they are kids and I am an adult and therefore I will tell them what to do and parent them also, which sounds crazy, which is why it doesn't work a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at the stepkid as saying, well, this is another kid, not my kid. And yes, there are things I want them to do or not do because they're in my home. However, how I affect that has to be vastly different because there's not a relationship. I don't have that parenting ability. So how am I going to get these things to happen? It's not that they can't happen. It's that you have to approach them very differently. It's like if, if your child was at a nursery and the rule was don't come in with muddy shoes on and track it throughout the nursery, the nursery workers would have a way to make that behavior happen or not happen, depending on what they're trying to do, without trying to be their step-parent. Right. So, so how do they do that? They do that because they're using other methodologies, other tactics, and other relationships to do that. Right. And if it bothered me and that happened with the muddy shoes, I could always say, hey, David, when you get a chance, can you help clean the mud up off the floor? Mm -hmm. And in addition, David, try not to say their name like that because it drives me crazy when people say my name like that. (laughs) But in, (laughs) in addition, can you help me come up with a way to make this not happen again. And he can come up with options. I'm going to stop the rain. I'm going to stop the rain. (laughs) The kids are not allowed to go outside when it rains. That means they're not going to school. They're not going anywhere. That's right. (laughs) But it could be as simple as, well, maybe we can put a sign in the mudroom that says, take off your shoes. Or maybe that could be a new house rule. Take your shoes off when you enter the home. Mm-hmm. They're options. Right. Now, say that little Johnny, you know, little Johnny's a bad kid. He's even an even worse stepkid. 
<laughs> but say little Johnny is being mean to your kid. Okay. Okay. As a stepmom, I may feel like I can't control the situation of little Johnny being mean to my kid because I can't parent him, right? Mm-hmm. But what I can do is I can remove my child from the situation. Or, depending on their age, I can teach my child how to handle those situations themselves. All right. We're not talking about little Johnny trying to stab your bio kid with a knife or kill him or anything like that. We're talking normal type sibling behavior that is not viewed as normal when it's a stepkid versus a bio kid. Okay. Okay. Agree, David? I agree. Okay. And then there's the feeling like I have no control because the kids are messing up the house. It's my house. And I hate this phrase. My house, my rules. (laughs) Everybody that lives there, it's their house too. I'm not saying that you have to live in a pigsty, but I'm saying... It's their house too, okay? Think about it. When people make that comment, my question is always, where does your significant other live? And they're like, oh, he lives here too. I let him live here. Oh, come on. (laughs) Well, it could be your house, but it's their home. Right. Exactly. So the kids are making a mess, feel like you have no control, you don't have the clean, orderly home you used to have, and it's just all so stressful. What can you do in those situations? You do the same thing you could do with the muddy shoes. Talk to your partner, ask them to help clean up the mess without saying it's the kid that did it, and then say, hey, it really stresses me out when everything's just thrown everywhere What can we do to make it where that doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. Or do you have any suggestions or, you know, something like that. If you can get them to come up with a solution, even better, especially if it's their kid. Because if if it's your kid, but it's my solution, it's less likely to be enforced. Right. No matter whose kid it is, if it's not your solution. Right. And oftentimes. My solution. I've. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oftentimes what I would do, now this not really with my stepkid because I didn't have some of these issues, but with my own kids, I would get them involved and come up with a solution. Because again, if it's their solution, they're more likely to do it. And plus it gives me the ability to go back to them and say, this is what the issue we're having. This is what you said that you would do. And this is the solution you came up with. So they're more bought into solving the the problem because they actually created the solution for it. And so they want to succeed. But notice, David did not say to his kids, Lori is sick and tired of y'all leaving your book bags and lunch boxes at the front door when you come in. No, that's irrelevant. Right. Because if David would say that, it would put the target on Lori's back for saying that. And if the stepkids don't like Lori, then guess what? They're just going to make a bigger mess. Yeah. 
and where we see a lot of the issues is where if in that example, you would say, I don't like the book bags and lunch boxes sitting on the floor at the door. And I might say, well, I don't really have a problem with it. Now right. this, that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, this is not a step kid problem at that point. This is a problem of mi- mix maxed expectations. Mix maxed. <laughs> yeah, that's whatever Mixed I said. Matched. Yeah, that's what I said, but it, I don't know if it came out that way. But <laughs> my tongue got in the way. But and that's where you're going to have to have the ability to sit down and communicate about: Is this a problem that needs to be solved? Is this a problem that maybe doesn't need the the emotional weight you're putting on it right now? I, I don't know. You you've got to communicate that between you and your significant other to figure that out. Right. Now, I will say, and I've mentioned this before, but years and years ago, I watched an episode of Dr. Phil, and it wasn't on anything to do with this topic, but the lady had an issue with something. The man didn't see it as an issue, and Dr. Phil's response was, whether you see it as an issue or not, someone you love, your wife, has an issue with it. So you need to do what you can to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that, and I agree with that 100%. But there is that point zero 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 one percent that I would say if, if it's constant in everything, like the stepkids left their shoes on the floor, the stepkid left their drink on the table, the stepkid blew their nose in the kitchen. The stepkid didn't put the milk back in the refrigerator. I mean, all this stuff, and it's constantly, everything the stepkid does causes an issue, then you can't fix everything, right? Right. You have to pick your battles. But if it's something that is truly causing you stress and discomfort and unhappiness in the blend, then it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And... If you do feel that way with the stepkids, that every single thing they do, including breathing, drives you crazy, you need to join the Nacho Kids Academy because I too have felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you've got a uh, you got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, and no judgment, like I said, happened to me too. So, all right, then let's talk about when the other bio parent is, quote, quote, dictating what happens in your home. So say David's... You mean like my ex? Yeah. So say David's ex said, David, you need to make sure the kids only have an hour of TV time at your home. David, you need to make sure the kids eat a vegetable every meal. David, you need to make sure the kids do their homework before... They go play outside, right? Mm -hmm. And David may say, okay, because in that relationship David had with his ex prior to her being their ex, maybe she called the shots. So he's used to doing what she says to do. Makes sense? David, you're looking at me weird. No, I just always look this way. Okay. (laughs) But he may also say, okay, just for the simple fact of he doesn't want to deal with her. He doesn't want to argue with her. He doesn't want to, quote, quote, upset her because she may try to keep the kids from him and alienate the kids, whatever reason. But here's the thing. 
if he has a problem with it, he can address it. You, as a step-parent, have zero control over what your partner's ex does. You don't have control over what your partner does. You can talk to your partner about the things that bother you and, again, prioritize those issues and try to get those resolved. But you can't control David and say, David, you need to tell that witch that we're letting the kids watch TV 18 hours a day and there's nothing she can do about it. Or, David, you need to quit letting her control our home, which we 100%, again, say don't let your ex live in your home. Yeah, or in your head. Or in your head. (laughs) The ex has no control unless your partner gives it to them. Okay? Now, we're not talking about the ex telling David, make sure little Johnny gets his medicine. That's a completely different story. We're talking about the ex trying to control how the bio parent or the step parent handles things in their home. Yeah. Usually things like that end up blowing up in your face anyway. Like if I were to tell my ex, make sure X, Y, (laughs) Z, she's probably going to do just the opposite for spite. Right. But we have worked with many couples that the ex has way too much control in the home. Oh, yeah. All right, David. So (laughs) I've said David a million times. Did you feel like you had no control when it came to your house or anything when Jackson and I moved in? No, not. I mean, not really, or at least not to the same degree. Now, you had four stepkids to deal with. I had one. All boys. All crazy boys. And so it was already crazy before y'all moved in. It's almost like, well, what's one more? I got four boys running around. What's one more? So I think I think you had it a lot more dif- difficult than I did for that, if, if nothing else, for that one reason. Yeah, I wasn't used to the four lunchboxes, four book bags, four jackets laying on the floor. I was used to coming in my home with my son, taking his stuff, hanging it up. Yeah, well, just everything. It, if the roles had been reversed and I had one kid, you had four, I think I would have had a much harder time with that. So I tried to... I tried to understand that all along the way, and I still do try to understand that, that you're coming from a place, especially early on, you coming from a place where you have one kid, it was a lot easier, a lot less chaotic, a lot less everything. It's just extremely different from one to four. And so I tried to view everything in that lens, even to the point of having conversations with my kids when we were struggling about. Well, you you know, y'all have to keep in mind, she just has one kid and she come from a house where there wasn't this amount of chaos and people bouncing around and all that. And and it's harder for her to adjust to that so that, you know, they would try to have that mindset too, that because they grew up in it, they knew nothing but that. <laughs> right. And y'all, I'm talking dishes, clothes, all of it was overwhelming. Mm-hmm, because it's so much. But, David, I can <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying your name so much. I can see where even if you had one child and you had raised that child differently than I had Jackson, that that could have been 
me feeling like I had no control because the kid comes in, throws his stuff on the floor. You don't care about it. You don't want to fight with the kid about it. And you tell me to get over it. Then mm-hmm. that could happen also with just one kid. Whereas yeah. if I had taught Jackson, take his shoes off when you come in, hang up your coat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the areas where I felt like I didn't have control, it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't something where I felt like I, it was out of control. And I, I just understood I, I didn't have that. Like, for example, if Jackson decided that, or you decided for him either way, that, for example, he's not going to eat dinner at the dinner table at the same time or something like that because of something going on. I just knew that that wasn't a hill I was going to die on. And if that's what you chose to do with your kid, if I had a problem with it, then it was something that you and I were going to talk about. Right. That I wasn't, I wasn't going to address it directly with him. Wasn't wasn't as need to, because he was younger anyway. And for me, I think very quickly it just became, you know, is this, is this something worth fussing about or because and not, not that everything became a fussing match, but I, there was a time frame that I believe everything would have became a fussing match. Yes. Anything we, anything we brought up was going to turn into an argument. 100%. And so I, so I, I looked at everything through that lens. Is this worth, is this worth an argument over? And a lot of times I would be like, no, it's not. Once, mm-hmm. once we got on better ground and had a better relationship, then we can cover those types of things to where there wasn't that feeling like you had to fight back for everything. And so then we would cover that. So for me, I don't know that I felt out of control. I just knew there were some things that were not in my control, but I don't know that I felt, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like I didn't feel like yeah. that I was, uh, they were, I was had things out. Cause I think to a large degree, if you really want to put it in a macro perspective, there's tons of things out of your control all the time. You're Every driving, day, you're the majority down, of things are out of your control. Right. You're driving down the road. You have no control over the 150 cars that could smash into you. You go so, to McDonald's, you have no control over whether <laughs> they get your order right. That's right. So there's there's so much that's not in your control If when you think about it that it just it doesn't bother me. I understand that there actually is a small amount of control that you really do have and you can really enforce if you wanted to. You just have to work within the rules, the laws (laughs) that you have. That's it. But granted, people feel they should have control in their own homes. Yeah. But feeling you have control and actually have control can be different. And you can control, (laughs) and you can control that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even though I might not have control of my stepson, I can choose whether I want to feel that or not. You can choose or you can control how you let that affect you. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what we always say. You can't control these things, but you can control how you let them affect you. Exactly. Very very well said. That's the point I was trying to make, but you did it better. <laughs> Yay, I got that in on recording. Okay, (laughs) folks, since we got David to say what I wanted him to say today, that last little bit, we are going to go ahead and wrap up. 
We know this is a short episode, but there's a lot in it. Thank you for listening. All right. Good. I love these quickies. <laughs> David. <laughs> well, dear listeners, don't get used to it. We are going to have guests again on our podcast. We just decided to try something different here for a few weeks. Yeah. Give you a little spin because you're not in control. <laughs> I was going to say don't <laughs> I was going to say don't say break. Because then they'll be like, oh, you gave us a break from those long podcasts. <laughs> Don't worry. The long ones are coming back, folks. <laughs> All right. Well, join us again next week. And remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.